Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen. Yes, we're continuing our series in Nehemiah, this amazing story of God rebuilding his city, Jerusalem, rebuilding the walls through his people. Remember, God could always easily say, let there be a wall, and there'd be a wall. But God works through his people, and he works through you. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, we see him working through his people. And today, I want to talk to you about the subject, we need to be expecting a fight. Now, I'm not talking about when you forgot your anniversary in your marriage, all right? Don't, don't expect a fight there. What we're talking about is spiritually, we need to be expecting a fight. I, I can remember being in sales for 14 years, and it was a very competitive business, and uh, you knew that your competition was always snooping around your business. We had repeat business, so they were clients that we had for a long time. You kind of knew they were always around, but you never really saw them. Usually. Sometimes you'd drive up to one of your accounts and you'd see the competition's cars and, and you would slash their tires, stuff like that. No, we didn't really do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That's not good. But you, you knew that they were out there. You knew that they were going to get you. And I, never, I would lose kind of sight of that sometimes. And I remember one time, I hadn't seen the competition for a long time in a particular account of mine that was really a key part of, of my territory and a key part of my compensation. Hadn't seen them until one day I walked in. And they handed me a piece of paper saying, your services are no longer required. The competition has taken over your business. That's a really bad feeling, you know? It's like, how could that be? I never saw it coming. See, we face a much more severe enemy than that. See, there is an enemy in our lives. There is an enemy in our world. And whether we acknowledge him or not, or whether we see him or not, he is snooping around ready to devour us, isn't he? And we need to be ready and understand and be prepared for this enemy. The children of Israel are preparing also for an enemy. And today we're going to talk about them actually being ready to physically fight. And you see, we have the same enemy that animated the enemies of Israel in that day. And so there's going to be some great ways for us to apply what we're going to study today in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 15 through 23, as we consider this idea that we need to be ready for a fight. We need to be expecting a fight. Nehemiah chapter 4, open your Bible or your device. I think it's always great, even though the words are on the screen, it's always great to have your own copy open. It's a great process to say, I, I want to I look at God's word myself as it's proclaimed Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. The word of the Lord says this. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and had his weapon, held his weapon with the other hand. And each of the builders had his sword strapped 
at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we're separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored and worked, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. It's a huge effort and leadership as Nehemiah prepared the people for the attack they expected to come. And the truth is that God's work, the work of God's people, is always at risk, isn't it? It's always at risk. We would like to think it isn't. We would like to think that we can just kind of go about our lives and and we can pursue the kingdom of God and we can build this church and that everyone will be fine with it. But the truth is there's always an enemy, isn't there? 1 Peter 5.8 says it this way, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's a very serious verse, isn't it? You're like, wait a minute, what what does that mean? I mean, somebody's after me? Yeah, he would really like to take you down. He would really like to take down parts of our church to expose the church and make it vulnerable. There is an enemy who wants to destroy you. Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Sounds great, doesn't it? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So the only way we stand firm is to be prepared, is to have the whole armor of God on us and and ready to use. You don't just fall out of bed and be ready for battle, do you? He said you need to put on the whole armor of God because the enemy has these schemes that he wants to use to stop you. You know, have you felt like something's against you? Have you felt like you're struggling with something? Do you feel like life is difficult and trying to shut you down when you don't want to follow Jesus? You're right. There is an enemy force who wants to stop you, who wants to destroy you. But I have some really good news. Jesus wins in the end. Jesus wins in the end. And secondly... All of the devil's schemes ultimately backfire. All of them. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Doesn't mean there won't be hurt, won't be difficulty, but ultimately Jesus wins and the enemy's schemes backfire and they bring God glory in the end. 
Well, how does it work? How do I, what does he do? What is his schemes? What should I be looking for? And I, before we get into Nehemiah 4, I want to just touch on a couple of things. How do I know what's going to happen? How, I always wanted to know when I was in sales what the, what the tactics of the competition would be. What could I expect? How would they show up? What would they try to do? What were they trying to, to get at me? How were they trying to get at me? And I love how 1 John kind of, kind of summarizes that. 1 John 2.16 says, But all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three key areas that the enemy wants to hit us at. And you see this in in the Garden of Eden, don't you? You see this as, as Eve looks at this fruit and she says oh it's beautiful the lust of the eyes oh it's it would taste good the the lust of the flesh oh it would make me wise the pride of life i'm going to be smarter i'm going to be elevated actually i'm going to be like god see those three things are kind of always a part of the temptation of the enemy and it, it always strikes at the at the at the greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Well, how could I love a God who who would withhold this fruit from me? Or how can I love my neighbor as myself when in reality I want to be elevated above my neighbor? I want to be better than my spouse. I, I want to be someone really important. That's why I want this fruit. The enemy came after Jesus in a similar way, didn't he? Jesus, meet your fleshly desires by turning this stones into bread. Jesus, make yourself great by jumping off of this, of this precipice and you'll be saved by God and show your glory in that way. Oh, Jesus, you just need to bypass this cross thing and just bow down and worship me. Let me be God for a moment. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. Oh, but he loved us too much, didn't he? He loved us too much to do that. No, there is no shortcut. There is no other way to bring salvation to these that I love. I love them like I love myself. And I love my God too much to dishonor Him by jumping off of a temple. See, that's how the enemy wants to work in our lives. Constantly trying to trip us up. Today, a lot of the things that happen is is about identity. You hear it so much in in the media. You hear so much people are known as one thing or the other. They're known as this political party, that political party, this race, this ethnicity, this view, this nationality. Rather than number one, it's about Jesus Christ is number one in my life. It's not that those things don't matter. What matters is Jesus has got to matter more. I don't want something else to overshadow who Jesus is in my life. Amen. Because there's nothing more important than what Jesus wants to do in you today. Oh, don't be distracted. Yeah, issues matter, but Jesus matters more. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't be fooled by the enemy into thinking that something matters more than Jesus, because that's idolatry. That's saying, I don't love my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. When you face that, Oh, it's about you, and you've got to be great, and your identity's got to be important. What's the verse? You see, Jesus always fought with a verse, didn't he? Ah, man cannot live by bread alone. When, when the enemy comes to you and says, you need to be about this identity, that identity, it's all about you. What do you say? No, actually, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Psalm 100, right? He says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. 
And when the world comes, he says, you need a little more. You need to obtain more. You need to own more, right? Seek ye first, Matthew 6, the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The word of God is how we go after the enemy. Well, what can we learn from Nehemiah chapter 4? It incorporates all that we've talked about, but I think it puts it in a really nice, um, easy way to understand it. First thing we need to see is in uh, verses fifth, verse 15, the preparation actually had stopped the attack. The preparation they'd already done. Sometimes just being ready causes the enemy to go away. Sometimes just showing up prepared and ready and the enemy doesn't strike. Not always, but sometimes. And in this case, initially the enemy turned away because they heard the element of surprise was no longer there. Now hear me, you don't need to see the devil behind every tree, okay? And don't blame the devil for all the things that you've messed up. You need to take responsibility for the fact that you've sinned, right? Let's own that. But just recognizing there's an enemy, don't let him slip in unaware. Don't let him get in there and get into some things that, that you know are wrong and you open the door into your life and now he's got a pathway. Prepare for the enemy. Often that will stop the attack. Second, you need, to be build, you need to build this body, this church, this body of Christ. We need to build it guarded by others. You've seen the film American Sniper with Bradley Cooper. You know the story of Overwatch, which was his role as a sniper. Uh, as he looked over, as the, the troops were moving forward, his job was to be up high with his rifle and to make sure that nothing happened to them that they weren't expecting. You got anybody that's doing overwatch in your life right now? See, that's really what we're to be doing as a church is, hey, listen, let me, let me tell you what to be worried about. Let me tell you what you need to watch out for. Let me tell you what to be ready for. Let me look ahead. Let me look beyond where you are. It's so great to have mentors who are older than you in the faith, especially, to say, you know what, this is what you can face in your marriage. It's so great to have someone who's been married more than seven years who can look at your relationship and go, listen, yeah, I, I hear where you are right now. Here's some things you can expect in the next years. I need someone to do overwatch. They had people there, and verse 16 and 17 says, From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. So you got these guys, they're building this wall, they're moving these stones, and you got other guys who are looking. Who are looking. They got their bow and arrow. They're looking out over the horizon to see if there's anything coming that's going to stop this wall from going forward. They had overwatch. We need overwatch in our lives. Someone I can turn to and ask, hey, what does this look like? What's ahead of me? Where am I going? What should I expect? Watching out for you in the future. Secondly, I think the most striking thing about this whole passage is verses 17b and 18. It says, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other hand, and each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. They were building while armed. They didn't go out there, hey, everything's going to be okay, not paying attention to the enemy. They had a sword on their side all the time. They went out ready to go. 
In the Ephesians passage we read earlier, a little bit further down, it talks about the armor of God and what it is. It talks about the, the, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the sword of the Spirit. You see, we face a spiritual enemy, and the only way to really go after him and defend yourself against him is to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now you say, Steve, that sounds like a whole lot of theology and big words. Let me explain very simply. Paul wanted his people to be ready to fight with the sword of the Spirit. Here's what it means. It means when you receive Jesus Christ, when you receive that gift of salvation, you receive his Spirit. As his Spirit comes into your life. But it's up to you if you're going to allow that Spirit to animate you, to live through you, and to encounter the world through you. And when the Spirit does, what He wants to use is the Word of God to go against the enemy. And so what what He's saying here is you need to build arm. We need to go out filled with the Spirit, with His Word in our heart, so that the Spirit can bring to mind those verses like I just shared when you face those temptations. Every temptation taken unto you is common unto man. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. The Word of God has to dwell in your heart for the Spirit to be able to use it. We need to build armed. We need to be ready with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to go after and to defend ourselves from the enemy. Next, we need to build connected. You know, in our culture today, it seems like everyone is more connected than ever, but more distant than ever right? We're more connected in that we've seen the picture of our dinner from last night, but we're distant that we don't know each other's heart. And who do you have in your life that you call on to say, hey, we're having a hard time here. Can you help us? Can you encourage me? I love verse 19 and 20. It says, I said to the nobles, to the officials, to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we're separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, Rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. I love that picture. We're on the wall. We're too far away. You might get attacked and I might not know about it, but we're going to sound the trumpet for you to come running. And you come when we sound that trumpet. They didn't have smartphones, but they had a trumpet. Who are you calling? Let me ask you, are you being attacked right now? Is something happening in your life, in your home, in your work, in your spirit, in your habits, in your lifestyle, where the enemy has his way? Are you getting some other people involved? Are you sounding the trumpet? Hey, would you come and help us? Would you come and speak into our lives of what needs to change? I need some input. See, that's what the body of Christ is all about. Nehemiah made sure that because they were spread apart didn't mean they were disconnected. For us today, we can be so much easier, more easily connected. You take advantage of that. Who knows you well enough that you could call to get that input in your life? Build connected. And then at the end of verse 20, I love that phrase, and we, we don't want to miss this. We need to build knowing that God, God's going to fight For you, through you. For you, through you. 
Verse 4, uh, that, that phrase says, our God will fight for us. Now, to us, a lot of times, if someone's going to fight for you, the, the vision is that, okay, I'm beside the ring, and the person fighting for me is in the ring, right? And I'm just kind of cheering them on, go God, you know, knock them out, this is going to be great, but I'm going to stand here beside the ring and watch. No, that's not really how God works. He wants to fight for you. He wants to fight through you. Remember when David took on Goliath? He said, no, you're not going to embarrass the Lord, my God. I'm coming after you, and God will cause the stone to strike the Philistine. Joshua shows up at Jericho. What happens? God's going to fight for them. God brings down the walls. They have to be there to fight the battle. The pattern is God will fight for us, but we need to be ready, and he's going to fight through us and do far more than we could possibly do on our own. It's not all up to you, but you do have to show up, right? Remember when Nehemiah prayed earlier, they were being, uh, they were being ridiculed, and, and what did Nehemiah do? He prayed and he prepared, right? We pray and we prepare. God, we're counting on you, but we're showing up to be used by you. You see, we could never be the church on our own. We can never be the body of Christ unless he fights through us, unless his spirit lives through us. We'll just be an organization of people hanging out with similar ideas. So I want the Spirit to do far more through us than we could ask or think. Know that God will fight for you as he fights through you. We also need to build ready. There's a sense of constant readiness in this passage. Verse 21 says, so we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn till the stars came out. Also, I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who follow me, none of us took off our clothes, and each kept his weapon at his right hand. Sounds like they needed a bath by the end of the day. Amen? End of the, take off your clothes? What? We're going to stay? They're going to be ready all the time. They're not going to go outside of the city. They're not going to wander away. Rather, they're going to be there ready to fight at all times. You know, sometimes, I've, over the years, as we've talked to people, as we've known people, as we've counseled people, people share a story, something like this. I, I came to know Jesus. I was a part of a church. And then I got away from it. And during that time, some things happened. Some decisions got made that were life-changing. And I miss God during those days. When we get away from the people of God, when we get away from our connection with the church, we've put ourselves in a very, very vulnerable position. And we miss out on what God might have done through us. Now, He can redeem us, and He does, praise the Lord. But I want to urge you, don't live outside the walls. Here's what I mean. Don't just live here on Sunday morning and come and then say the rest of the week you're living some other kind of life. So we want to live connected with one another. So many of our life groups have begun meeting during the week, which I think is really helpful. Because what it says is I, I have something else rather than just Sunday morning. And I have another connection that I can make. We need to make sure that our lives are lived in community connected with other followers of Jesus so that we're not lone rangers. We're not at risk. Well, let me ask you, have you been 
Have you been losing a fight you never expected to have? Has the enemy been having a field day in your life? Has the enemy been giving you a life that's full of anxiety, frustration? And maybe there's an area of your life that's completely out of control. And really, this is happening because in reality, you haven't been understanding there is an enemy. It's so easy in our lives just to say, well, life is pretty good. I have enough to eat. I have a place to stay. Things are pretty okay. And I love C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters, because that's exactly what he talks about, how the enemy just wants to lull us asleep. Everything's fine. Nothing's really that bad. I don't really need to worry about him. I don't need to know that the enemy's out there. Until our life begins to fall apart. And you know he's been active. See, as followers of Jesus, we know that Jesus is going to win. Incidentally, it's not like Jesus and Satan are even close in terms of power, right? Satan is a created being. Jesus is the God of the universe. It's not close. We just need to call on our Savior. We need to be ready to know the enemy is real, and we need to expect to fight. We need to expect to fight. Always be armed. Don't wake up in the morning and think, well, I really don't need God today because I'm just really hanging out at home and I'm just doing something. Listen, you need to be ready every day. Don't get out of bed until you say, God, would you fill me with your spirit today because I know some stuff's going to happen that I'm going to need to defend. And I'm going to need your word, so I'm going to spend time in your word early so that I am ready, so your word dwells in my heart and I want to live connected. I want to have people I can call. I want to have people who I meet with, who I'm in a life group with, who I serve with. I want to be a part of the fabric of the body of Christ. You know, statistics show that, that marriages of Christians and marriage of non-Christians fail at about the same rate. But marriages of Christians who are involved in the fabric of a church and a life group and serving do way better, like about 80% better. Always be armed. Always be connected. And always be ready. Don't take a week off. Don't take months off. Don't show up once a month. Listen, it's, it's always being, understanding there's an enemy who'd like to take you out. He is ready and willing to make you irrelevant. But your Savior wants to make you amazing. He wants to work through you to do things that you can't imagine. He wants to work through you to bless someone simply uh, every day. He wants to have you ready with the sword of the Spirit when the enemy comes at you with that temptation that he's been beating you up about for a long time. And you can say, no, there's no temptation taken in me, but such has come to man. How is it going for you? Are there things in your life that the enemy's got a foothold? You open the door. There's things in your life that you're not performing in the way that you should because the enemy's got you distracted, maybe. Maybe your intimacy with Jesus is missing, is not what it ought ought to be, maybe not what it used to be. There's something that's distracting. Maybe your temper's out of control. Maybe you have an addiction that's going nuts. Maybe you just are struggling right now to take the next step in life. 
Here's what I want to tell you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's as close as a prayer. Jesus, I want your spirit to fill me. I, I, I repent of the sin that I've allowed the enemy to bring into my life. I, I want your spirit to fill me. And I want your word to act as my weapon of defense. Today, I want that to be who I am. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you, before you leave the property today, would you have a conversation with someone about how you can be be armed, be connected, and ready against the enemy? Just one conversation. Often we finish up and we leave and we forget about what we heard, but maybe one little conversation. You know, I I think I need to read the Word in the morning instead of in the evening. Or maybe I think I need to make sure that that I'm encouraged, that I'm connected. I I need to see, man, could I call you? Because I got an issue. I just need someone to talk about. You don't have to be a genius. I just want someone to pray with me about a challenge I'm having. That's what a body does. It's not... A body's not something that comes together once a week. A body is something that's together all the time. We need to live connected. We need to live armed. We need to live ready. Some of you might say, you know what, Steve, I've never been there. I I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm a good person and I try really hard, but listen, I have never had that sense that the Spirit was fighting the enemy through me. Listen, maybe you've never received the gift of salvation. A lot of church people are there. Feels good to be in church. Feels good to be around nice people, moral people. Maybe today, today you need to say, Jesus, I don't, I don't know that I've ever received you. I, I don't know that I've ever really been saved. It's as simple as admitting, I can't be good enough. I need you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. I need you to save me. I need your blood to count for me, and I want you to live through me that I am not constantly being defeated by the enemy. Simple as that. I'd love to chat with you after the service. Many of our deacons are here as well. They'd love to chat with you as well. Don't continue getting thrashed by the enemy. Live armed, live connected, and always be ready. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.